Hi, welcome to the Holes of Mark podcast show, and today I am talking to Robert Rijiji. I probably said that wrong, but you'd probably say, that's okay. Hello, Robert, how are you today? Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yes. I am a psychic medium. I just turned 64 years old um, on the 21st of November. And my first experience with the paranormal field was when I was four years old. And it just gotten stronger and stronger and stronger over the years. I must also tell you that I am Catholic. And my heritage is Italian. My last name is Italian. I'm also Spanish, and my my spirituality is based on my Roman Catholicism. I don't try to convert anyone to Roman Catholicism. That is not my point. My point is that my spirituality is based on my Roman Catholicism. I also have a master's degree in forensic psychology and clinical social work from the University of Florida. And for 35 years, I worked in the criminal profiler for the state of Florida in the Miami area. And I love doing that so very much. Yes, I saw the worst of humanity and the best of humanity. I also had my private commercials while I was there. I also did a lot of volunteer work at a hospital for AIDS for Mother Teresa. Um, and so my experience in South Florida was incredible. I learned so very much about inhumanity as well as as well as people loving each other also. And so with that experience as a psychologist, as well as being a psychic medium, it worked very, very, very well together. Very well. And in my experience I have been involved in two exorcisms that were sanctioned by the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Chicago. I live in Peoria, Illinois, which is about a hundred, it's about three hours south of Chicago. And I think tonight that we will be talking about one of those exorcisms. And also that we volunteer at a hospice where I am with children in their homes last hours or moments before they leave this earthly dimension to their heavenly dimension. I talk to the children of my angels. A lot of children at the very ends of their lives, they will see angels and talk about angels. I am there for them as much as I am there for their family. That is such a blessing, such a blessing to be with these children. I also mentor and children in which I will call children of the paranormal. These families have moved out to me. I do a lot of radio programs here in the United States. And also I've been on several podcasts from Great Britain. And so these families have reached out to me for assistance. And so I meet with these families. We hope to all meet together. These 
once a month. But during the winter time, it's kind of hard to do so because you just never know what the weather is going to be. Like like last week, we had a blizzard. We were only supposed to get several inches of snow. And here in Peoria, we got 14 inches of snow. And so depending on the weather, but I do, but we do uh, conference call each other. Um, the children that I am mentoring are fantastic. They're so gifted and talented by God. And so when these families reach out to me to mentor them, they didn't know if their children were psychiatrically ill or what was going on with them. And having my extensive experience and licensure in psychology, I spoke to the children first, did some testing with them, and they are not psychiatrically ill. They truly are blessed and gifted by God in the realm of mediumship and also some of them are psychic. So I meet with these children, like I said, once a month. I take them places where there are a lot of spirits so I can gauge and um, their reaction and such. I have also taught them to help it from on and off. A lot of these children, before I met them, they were floundering in school. Some of them had weight problems. Some of them were depressed because they did not understand what was going on with them. Their families were very supportive, yet they didn't understand either. The children that I am mentoring, the youngest one was eight, and the oldest one is 15. And sometimes we can talk about them too, Mark, if you want to, because they are quite fascinating. So gifted, so talented. I wanted these children to know how to turn off their gifts and talents, so they could, so they could um, continue with their schoolwork instead of being bombarded by seeing spirits and stuff. I also told the children to use their gifts and talents appropriately and wisely for the good of mankind. So these children were confused. The older children take care of the younger children. Um, and it's just a wonderful, wonderful family. It's a wonderful family to do things and out for me. And it's truly a blessing. And those are just some of the things that I do. I'm going to go on the phone for the families and tigers. And I'm going to just look at them. You've led a quite a fascinating life, my friend. Because I, I, I've been drawn to people because, well, you may know, you may not know that 
In my life, I've had a near-death experience. about to do your exorcisms if you're allowed to talk about them that's of course Laugh, the most demonic laugh I have 
it's important to people to know what was going on so yes i think we can allow that for this time I said, and I said, you have no power over me because I'm 
and all of my and body changing is after which is which is the appearance of the face changed completely right before our eyes. His neck got very, very thick. He started to gurgle. Um, it, it was just unbelievable. And again, the demon came out and said things about me that no one else would know. Even the most inner secrets that I've kept into my soul, into my heart, came out. Also, he began, the demon also began to, um, to attack the Monsignor and telling the Monsignor about his life. So right there, and we taped all this, okay? We have, we have permission from heaven to, um, to tape our experience of being with him that day. And he signed, and he signed an affidavit agreeing to that. And so having the Monsignor there, we did not have to go through the, the process of determining whether or not he is psychiatrically ill or if he's truly possessed. You know, within the Roman, excuse me, within Roman Catholicism, there is a process to go through psychological testing and such like that. Uh, psychological um, and, and also physical testing. And so this Monsignor said right away, he is possessed and that we needed to help him. We were there with Kevin and his girlfriend. Her name is Mary. We were there, I would say, six, seven hours. And during that time, I did see blood. And Kevin said he was seeing blood, I thought, psychically. Um, the stench was overwhelming. When the demon was most present in Kevin, the stench was unbelievable. It smelled sulfur. It smelled like a rotten egg. It was horrible. It was horrible to the point where I had that we had to open the windows and doors because the stench was so bad. And so, like I said, we were there six or seven hours, and then we left. I told Kevin that I would be coming back, and that we needed to contact the Archdiocese of Chicago. And to relate all this information, so it may be a day or two, maybe three days. The, uh, the Monsignor left his home, left a crucifix, left a rosary, left a white candle. Um, and we encouraged, we encouraged Kevin to say the prayer of Saint Michael, Saint Michael the Archangel. And I told him in doing so, and having all these sacramentals, as we call them, within the Catholic Church, the rosary, the holy water, the crucifix, those are called sacramentals. And I said, what's going to happen is that it is going to probably get a lot more for you. But I said, I am here 24-7, call me, I can watch, I can be with you, um, and we'll sit you during these times. Now, his girlfriend was frightened. She she didn't know what to do. She knew something was wrong with him because he had lost a lot of weight. They were fighting more. Uh, they were not getting along. They had planned to be married. Um, and that's what the evil one likes to do, Mark. The evil one likes to come between people who are in love or come in between families. Okay? And the more that he tries, the more that he attempts to separate the one that he's attacking from others, well, he really, the demon really gains a better foothold. 
and, and understand that. And and so that's what was happening. And so my senior and I, like I said, contacted the Archdiocese of Chicago, and we had a meeting with them. They came down here um, and talked talk to us. We played the uh, we played the. Uh, because we did video video besides besides um, um, having, the, having the tape recorder on so it was videotaped and so they thought and they agreed they agreed yeah, that he is possessed okay and one also has to realize Mark that we you know if I can again and I say this many many times and with an onion, there are many, many layers that need to be peeled back to see why he got possessed. Okay? And so that's what time to get to the core of the situation, get to the problem. Okay? And, but with Kevin, it was very, very easy to get to that, to get to the core of the situation. Kevin had played with the Ouija board a lot in his life. And he had gotten on, he had gotten into the dark side, as we say. And so he left himself open to a lot of things. So talking to the priests, there were three priests that came down from Chicago who, um, who are exorcists. Um, they were in their 70s. They have been doing exorcisms for many, many, many years, okay? And um, so they wanted us to go get Kevin, <clears throat> call him and arrange that we would go to a monastery in Chicago area. I cannot tell you the name of the monastery. I'm not able to because of confidentiality. And again, confidentiality is number one. That's why I cannot say Kevin's last name. Kevin is his is his legal name, okay? So, two days later, and during this time, I was in contact with Kevin, and he was experiencing more and more. He was convulsing, he was vomiting. He didn't have much control um, over his uh, bowel and his urine, um, and he really, really didn't know what to do. My senior and I went down to get him and his girlfriend, and we stopped here in Peoria uh, so he could rest. But we went to a rectory, which is the home of a priest, okay? And uh, so we had, so we rested and relaxed and we relaxed and we prayed. And then we, then we ventured on to Chicago. And trying to get into Chicago is, is horrible anyhow. The traffic, you know, there's like, like, Seven million people that live in that area, and it's just it's just congested terribly. But anyhow, we finally did get through the monastery, which is a, which I can say that it is attached to a Catholic medical center. Okay, and so Kevin was Kevin. We took Kevin into the monastery. Um, and then doctors, there was a doctor, there was a psychiatrist, a psychologist, there was um, a nurse practitioner there also, and so they did vitals and those types of things. They did a lot of blood work immediately when we got there, uh, MRI, CAT scan, um, x-rays, and those types of things, okay? And every 
everything came off normal. There was nothing wrong with him um, physically, okay, but this demon had really, had really possessed him so badly that he had lost a lot of weight. He was not psychiatrically ill. Um, psychiatrist, a pre-psychiatrist talked to him, and he was just as sane as you and I are, Mark, okay? Um, the exorcist was planned, the exorcism was planned for the next day, and again, Kevin had to find, Kevin signed an affidavit stating that he gave permission to the following people to perform this exorcism, and my name was also on the form. And also his girlfriend, who witnessed everything also, um, she signed the form. So because we wanted to protect ourselves as well as protecting him, okay? It was videotaped. Um, I, I have seen the videotape. Um, the videotape is being used to teach other young priests um, in the rites of Roman exorcism. And so when, when we decided, or when the priest decided um, that the exorcism both took place, it was in the monastery. That morning, we all went to the chapel. Kevin is not Catholic, and that is fine. But Kevin did go with us to the chapel. And the moment he walked in there, he fell to the floor. He began, he began to convulse. He began to vomit. He began to hold himself, defecated himself, and the stench, not from his defecation, okay, but the stench around him from the evil one was just incredible. And so we began, we began the exorcism in the chapel. And again, the, one of the priests was a psychiatrist, the other priest was a psychologist. The other priest was a regular medical doctor. Um, they were all there. His girlfriend, Mary, was there also. And so the exorcism began there. Okay. Kevin also signed the form stating that if we needed to restrain him from hurting himself and us, that he gave that permission, which is very, very important. Very important. Okay, and so he signed the form prior to us going into the chapel. Again, the priest asked asked Kevin if he wanted to exorcism, and he said yes. If there is any finding, I remember very I remember the priest saying, Kevin, if there is any evil in your heart that you want this demon to stay inside of you then this exorcism will not be a success. You will have to totally agree to this. And he did. He totally agreed. The priest also told Kevin he has to do his part also. There's so much this, there's so much that a Catholic priest, even with his many years of being exorcist, okay, there's just so much that we can do. We 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 rely upon God from the percent for His assistance. We ask the holy angels and archangels for their assistance. We we ask the holy saints and martyrs to assist us. So Kevin agreed, like I said, to the exorcism, and the exorcism then began.
Gotta name them because otherwise, the 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 boys here have power, won't they? So. Demon will begin to attack. 
host who's going to do the activism. He does all the talking. Says, okay. Um, so if the demon does lash out, lash out to us, try to ignore it. But Mark and everyone who's listening, we're human. So when the demon starts talking and, and telling you about your personal and personal things, things that only are in your heart that no one else knows, okay, you are, you're being human. We want to react to that. And that is the last thing you do. You never want to have dialogue. One main exorcist, like I said, there were three priests there, all of those in exorcisms. All of them have been doing exorcisms for 40 years, okay? So they knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. And again, they just kept saying to us, just ignore it. Ignore it. But again, Mark, we're human. And Mark, Mark, we just be like me. But all of them, I started to attack you verbally. Okay, and your response would be, you know, shut the fuck up, right? Okay, and so that was a humanly response that I wanted to handle, but I knew that I couldn't, because if I began to have dialogue with, with this thing, with this demon, then it would be off of Kevin's and upon me. Okay, did the roof, did the bed shake? Yes. Did he levitate? No. Did the windows open and rattle? Yes, they did. Did chairs move? Yes. Did crucifix? Fly off the table, yes, it did, yes. And, and, be, and being a human, to see that your mind is trying to is trying to wrap itself around that, thinking, well, maybe it was the wind, but there was no wind. How else could it happen? You know, and that was most that was most terrifying, especially to Mary, Kevin's girlfriend. Eventually. We had to ask Mary to leave the room, and then she went to the monastery. A group of nuns came and got her, and she sat in the chapel with them. And again, this exorcism lasted three days, almost three and a half, four days. And during this time, again, his blood pressure was taken. He was given something to drink. He was, he was offered food and those types of things. It wasn't like the exorcism. Um, was like 24 7. He did have to take some break. Kevin did fall asleep and he made a rest. Okay? And the evil one just doesn't attack the body, he also attacks the mind. And when Kevin was dreaming, he was telling us that the dreams were horrifying to him. Sometimes he was sleeping and he would begin to cry. And when taking his blood pressure, that when he was in his dream state and the dreams were so horrifying to him, his blood pressure went very, very, very high. And so then we had to wake him up. Okay. Um, and again, Kevin knew what he was into. He knew that it was going to be a process. And so he agreed to it. And again, at any given time, Mark, if Robert would have said in his own voice, not the demon, but if Kevin at any time would have said, I'm done with it, I don't want anymore, we would have to stop legally. Because again, again, he had to agree with it, but he also had the right 
could stop it at any time we wanted. Okay, which is very dangerous, and we told him about that. My part of the exorcism was to, when the priest would say prayers, there would be other prayers that we would answer with. I helped with saying the rosary. I, and at times they asked me, because they knew of my connection with Kevin, that I was asked to talk to Kevin. But the actual exorcism itself was done by three Roman Catholic priests. After those periods of hours, we all had to rest ourselves. Um, there was always someone in the room with Kevin at all times. The videotape was playing and continuing, like I said. Um, and it was one of the most horrifying. Yeah, still here. Okay. And, um, but anyhow, so after that time, then the exorcism was over. And how we knew it was over, because the air in the room was very light. We also smelled roses. And Kevin's demeanor had changed completely. We did find out, like I said, in the middle of the three and a half, four days of an exorcism, during <clears throat> during the second day, second day and a half, that the demon said his name, and the demon's name was Baal. Baal? Have you, have you ever heard of that demon, Mark? No, I haven't. I've been, I've been honest. So. Okay. You'll have to Google Baal. And a lot of the listeners, a lot of people who are listening will know who Okay, and again, when I say this demon's name, it's like a calling card. I have to be very, very uh, safe. I know that I'm covered with the white light of God. I know that my angels are with me. Okay? Um, but after that period of time, then, um, Kevin was much, much better. He was exhausted physically, emotionally, spiritually. He was exhausted. He was taken from the monastery, then to a private room into the medical center. More tests were run and those types of things. I stayed with him. There was a counseling seminarian there also uh, with him. Um, and so no one left his family. Mary then came back to see him and such. Kevin was in the medical center for about a week. So from the time this exorcism, by the time that we left Peoria, by the time he got back home was almost it was more than ten days. Um, Kevin's life today is totally different. Uh, Kevin got baptized, not within the Roman Church, which is fine. But Kevin did get baptized. Kevin's life is totally different. His life is complete. He must, and their exorcist also tells him, told him, he has to be very, very careful and vigilant because once a person is possessed, there is always that possibility, a very high possibility, that the person can become to be possessed by another person. So, Kevin and I still talk to Jonathan Sullivan. My phone is on 24 7. 
and show me one of the actual programs that Kevin, he watched it himself. He began to cry, and the whimpering from him was like from the small towers, you know, the inner child that we got inside of us. Um, it was incredible. Was a very rough time. I, I, I'm glad that he's better, and I'm I'm glad that you helped him in his life. Born and raised in 
I think we will. I think what I'll do is I'll, I'll have you back on because this is so fascinating. But I would like to ask you a little bit about your faith. What inspired your faith? I believe that when we're born, 
God, God, that God gives us a specific mission to do. Mine has always been and continues to serve others. I volunteer a lot at soup and I go there every day to fight, those types of things. Um, and so I am there to help others. My faith gets stronger and stronger every day. And again, I don't try to convert anyone to Catholicism or to, or, um, or to any organized religion. Okay? I pray the prayer to St. Michael and my angel. I light my candles. I go to church. Um, and so my, my personal relationship with Jesus is very, very strong. I rely on him for everything in my life because when I do, when I put all my cares and other people's cares at the foot of the cross, as they say, and then that assists me because I am human. And Jesus tells us, like he told the disciples in the garden, and when they all fell asleep, he says to them, the, the spirit is strong and the body is weak. And our body is weak. It truly is. It truly is. And so by, so by, by going to church, reading the scriptures, uh, praying, um, talking to God, asking Him for assistance, asking Him for help, that God has even made me stronger in my faith as a Christian, as a Catholic. Do you do you think that in some way that you was called? Yes, 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 yes. My belief, I believe that when I was born, when I was called to serve, you know, because these gifts and talents that God has given me at a very young age, you know, and that I was predestined to help others. So that is my mission in life. Okay? I am no angel, Mark. I fall short of glory God every day, okay? You know, I am human like anyone else. I have human frailties. Um, um, I just ended my, uh, one of the, for two weeks ago, I had my last chemo session, which I have not talked about at all to anyone. Because there are so many of our brothers and sisters that are suffering worse than I am. But two weeks ago, I did finish my last chemo session. And but even with all that, even when I was feeling the worst, that when people called me, I was there to assist them. I was there to help them because I truly believe in my heart and in my soul and in my mind that I am called to serve others in need. Well, I'm going to ask you another question now. How do you feel when you're helping people? Assistance and help at times of both I do. I do. I have a spiritual director 
believer in the Star Trek theory that you um well it's a Star Trek theory that you as long as you help one person you've done something in life. Yeah, I understand that. That's the first question people ask when I do a podcast. They say, oh, I'm sure they charge. And I say, no, most nobody charges because they don't want to charge because it, they see it as a sense of help, like you've mentioned before, helping someone. If you're helping someone, if, that, if, they, if they wish to help you back, that's their decision. That's why we got free will.
Now, you earlier on, you mentioned you do a lot of volunteer work and helping others. Can you talk a little bit about that? harder isn't it I always think it's hard to accept when it's children because I used to work in mental health and I used to work with elderly people and uh, I also used to help cut grass in graveyards and when I used to come across the, the younger grave graves it always used to like my heart used to drop Others 
can you absorb like I will? I absorb the pain, the anger, the frustration. Funny you say that, because I, I thought when I used to work in mental health, when um, I found that I was like a sponge. I could I had to take in what was happening around me, because if I reacted, like you said earlier, you get you can't treat you've got to treat them as people, not the illness. That's what I always say. Yes, I understand. I imagine, I imagine like you said, I imagine like you said, people get a lot of great comfort from what you do. I think that's important. So I agree there. You have to, like you said, you have to have a point where you switch off. And I, I know what you mean. I, I, I know it's not you being nasty or horrible because, as I said, as being experienced in care work, I understand where you're coming from. Did not come from the fact 
that when I was assisting all these people, no way, I don't believe that, I will never believe that. Things happen. Things happen, okay? And I dealt with it. It, it made me sick physically. I never gave up. I knew in my heart that I was going to be okay, and I am. And, and now, you know, now I am recovering from all the FEMA, and it still doesn't stop me from doing what God wants me to do. Yet I must realize that I have to take care of myself so I can continue to take care of other people. And that's what I, I, can, I can hear it in your, in your voice, your passion for what you do and how you, how you help your fellow man. And I think, as you say, we everybody has a bad day. <laughs> I like me today. My I have um, mild small vessel disease of the brain, which affects cognitive skills like memory and things like that. And today I've had a very confused day. But I, I just let it go now. I used to let it get to me, but I just think, oh well, I'm just having a confused day. I would say I would say something along the lines that you're renewing the light that you need. Coming up to midnight now, my end.
and you're so much home, you have been experiencing a lot of things of like shuffling of feet, verbal voices, they will be subtle people, they will be touched, they will smell things, and all the ones that shot, that is, to me, that is most dangerous because then it gives the person who's experiencing these things a false sense of peace because it will rear its ugly head once more and again and again. And I tell people that. I said, granted, you may be given a reprieve, but always be on guard. Always. Because it will come back. It will come back a thousandfold. And more times than not, it does. Now, bef- and again, I am here, and I, again, I am here to assist anyone. Anyone who needs information, anyone who needs help, I am here for them. 24 7. I was going to ask, do you, do you want to give out any way that they can contact you or not? It's entirely up to you. Yes, you can friend me on Facebook, Robert, and I'll spell my last name, R-I-G-H-I. Send me a friend request, and I will accept, and we'll go from there, okay? Like I said earlier, then I'm getting a website. A brand new one after being hacked several times. I truly really believe that that is from the evil one that's doing this hacking, especially to people like myself who are there to help others. The evil one doesn't. The evil one hates me. Hates me with a passion. The evil one would do anything to any of us who are in the field and that we're legitimate and that we and that we want to help other people. And so the evil one is on his guard even more, okay? And again, I'm not scared of the evil one, not at all. I have seen him face-to-face with Vivian, with Kevin, and another time, or several times, I am not scared. When you hear in your room that your God is not going to save you, I have your soul. When you hear that with your ears, audibly with your ears. And again, I started this with the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. So I know what it is. I know what it is to be scared. I know what it is to have the evil one come into your life. I understand that totally. I really do. Well, what I normally do, Robert, before I go, I normally ask people, because I do like an unique sign-off, I was just wondering if there's anything you would like to do before we go. Like um, a prayer or something like that. Yes, I would like to say the prayer of Saint Michael the Archangel, and I am Catholic, and so I will bless myself in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Saint Michael the Archangel, guide us in this day of night and spiritual battle. We are defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him. We humbly pray, and so and thou by the prayer. By the heavenly friends, by the power of God, bless Angel Helsing and all the other demonic spirits seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. Jesus, at this moment, I pray that you be with all of our listeners. I pray that you be with Mark. I pray that you be with me to guide us and protect us and be with us. And let us always, let us, all of us, realize and know that you are with us all the time. And may we pray for our holy guardian angel and each of us the guardian angel. 
I should do mine to you now. I feel a little bit overwhelmed. Right, but this is mine to you. Um, okay, are you ready, Robert? <clears throat> Robert fights the good fight. Lies, likes helping others. His angels guide him on his way. He helps volunteering. He gets. He will help you as much as he can. I like to thank him for being on my show. So thank you, Robert. Good night, you know. You've like, yes, I think we. I should definitely invite you back, Mr. Robert. I definitely will. Thank you. 